Good evening. It's 9.06 at News Radio 680 WCTF News, traffic and uh, talk. And we're going to have a little bit of talk for the next hour. Live in real time, Tom Kearney, your host here, back after a little uh, uh, vacation with uh, Dr. Mike Walden, one of our longest-running guests, to talk about the, the state of the economy. And, of course, it's in the background of the, the big story, and that's the coronavirus. I have uh, long since decided not to say all of that and just call it the virus. Dr. Walden, are you there? I am, Tom, and, and let me add, uh, I hear you got a lot of thank yous last night, and uh, let me let me uh, say welcome back, and uh, you're out of solitary confinement. <laughs> yes, <laughs> God, uh, well, I'm glad to be that, back but, uh, and I'm glad to be here with you. Who are uh, unfortunately our continuous. You had not missed a, a month, and I had not missed a month since the very beginning until I broke my leg back in February. But you're back here and ready to give us a picture of the economy. Let me say first, to by way of introduction, uh, Dr. Mike Walden is a professor at North Carolina State University, where he's been. Mike, is it 1978? Yes, very good, Tom. Yes, Got it right. I've been working on that. I, I usually say one year earlier. He is a graduate of the University of Cincinnati, and his Ph.D. comes from Cornell University, and he's been a reliable guest for us and for a lot of other uh, sources in this particular market for a long, long time and can talk about international, national, and, and local economics in a way that we can understand it. Um, he gives me a cheat sheet. That is, he knows what's important and what we ought to be talking about, and we sort of just play around with it, and I bounce off of him a little bit. But he's the one that's the brains of the outfit. And so I'm going to – and we're going to say sort of stay in one loop tonight. So I'm going to turn it over to him and let him tell you about what his topic is going to be this evening. Well, I think there is only one topic, uh, unfortunately, with the economy, and that is, of course, the, the virus, COVID-19. And I'm calling this the – the virus crisis. Tom, I think the last time I was on with you, which I guess was either early February or, or mid-January, and we talked about the economy, and uh, pretty much all economists uh, thought the economy was going to be very good this year. We had, at that time, under 4% unemployment, which is a which is a very much a landmark. We had economic growth, and we had people uh, seeing some pay raises. We had jobs being created, and so we were we were on we were we'd already set a record for for uh, uh, ten years of continuous economic growth since the last recession. We thought we were going to add another year to that this year, and then, bamo, the the virus hits, and it's it's thrown the economy for a loop. And and the reason, and we are we are clearly in a recession. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, in fact, we had numbers for the first quarter. January, February, March already come out on what we call GDP, gross domestic product, which is the broadest measure of the economy. Think of it as aggregate production in the economy. And the preliminary number for that, uh, and it'll be revised a couple times, but it's not going to be dramatically changed, down 5% on an annualized basis. And this this quarter, April, May, June, is going to be the worst. Uh, the forecasts are potentially down as much as 40% on an annualized basis. So, the rule of thumb for recession is you have to have two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. We're obviously going to have that. Now, one thing that makes puzzle people, and, and in fact initially puzzled me, was we've had viruses hit um, the U.S. and the world at other times. In fact, Tom, you, you may or may not realize this. Cause we're, you, you have a couple of years on me, but not much. You and I as youngsters lived through a, a very uh, bad pandemic in 1957-58. Uh, it was called the uh, Asian flu, 
It killed 116,000 people in the U.S. Uh, I think it killed in the millions worldwide. In fact, my father at that time had a small business, and we did have a recession following that that virus. My father had a small business, and it, it collapsed, and he never was able to, to rekindle that again. But what we've done differently this time is that we have mandated, the government has mandated, that, that a large part of the economy shut down. And I think there was two reasons for that. One, in order to try to reduce the number of deaths, because early on, the health people said this is a very contagious virus, and its symptoms can be very, very bad, especially among uh, older people like like you and you and me, Tom. And secondly, uh, we didn't want the healthcare system to be overwhelmed. That is, we didn't want people to go to a hospital and there are no beds for them. So um, we had um, states, of course, states governors are the ones that do this, but we have the backing of the federal government to close businesses like like restaurants and, and uh, gyms and uh, a lot of retail stores for people to stay at home and if they can not go to work and we I knew and I all economists knew if you're going to do that you're, you're going to have the economy uh, shrink and you're going to have a recession and we certainly have had a recession but it's because it's not because of anything fundamentally wrong in the economy like other recessions have been caused by overspending too much debt, high oil prices, et cetera. It's because we we came to the conclusion we needed to reduce activity, face-to-face contact, which is really what the economy is, in order to reduce the number of infections, deaths, and not overwhelm the healthcare system. And and the experts, I this is outside my lane, but I think the experts would say we, we accomplished that. In fact, the healthcare system was not overwhelmed. And now we're talking about opening up. But that's the fundamental reason why we, we, we have this economic situation. If we didn't have the virus, we would, not be in an, we would not be in an economic recession. Now, it seems like to me one of the questions that's going to follow this somewhere is with the closing of part of the economy, uh, whether a person is in fact dreaming if they expect it to come back to this situation to be normal, whatever that might be again, or whether we're going to be in a different situation completely. Well, that that is a concern. And, and, and one of the problems with where we're at now, both medically and in the economy, we don't have a playbook for this. Uh, we've never shut the economy down like this, as I said, in previous pandemics, even the famous one that I know you're aware of, Tom, the, the 1917 to 1919 uh, so-called Spanish flu. If we have time, I'll talk about the fact, and you know this, Tom, that was it was misnamed. But um, we've never done this before, so we don't know how fast the economy will come back. And I'll, I'll talk about that later in the program. I mean, like obviously, economists have their ideas. And the big thing that people worry about, and this is sort of the needle that I think governors, like our governors, trying to thread, is we want to gradually reopen the economy because uh, we realize we can't keep it shut forever. But at the same time, we need to worry about as we reopen the economy, are we going to cause infections to go up, hospital utilization to go up, et cetera. So that's why I think that we, are, we have to be very careful, and, and I think people have to take responsibility in doing the things that many people, including our, our state government, have said in terms of washing heads, hands, uh, social distancing, even, even wearing masks. If we can do that and what I like to say behave as we go out in public, then we can, I think, have both. We can have safety in terms of our health, and we can have the economy coming back. 
So uh, this is going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds over the next couple of months. Of course, the ultimate solution is first a treatment and then a vaccine. And, and I, know, I know people are working very, very hard in getting a vaccine, and now, there's now talk about potentially a vaccine by the end of the year, which would be extraordinary because usually it takes a year plus for vaccines to be, to be done. So that's the ultimate solution. But you could have a situation, and it is possible that we have a reemergence of the virus in, in, the, in the fall winter, which is typical. These things do come back. And if we are open and we're back to our old ways and, and people aren't taking precautions, we, can't, we could have a flare-up and, and have to go back to the kind of shutdowns that we're, that we're coming out of. So, so there's a lot at stake here, and, and I, think, I think it is incumbent. If I can, I'm, I'm talking personally now uh, as, as a citizen here. I think it's incumbent that when we do go out in public that we try to follow those things that the healthcare people have said we need to follow in order to keep ourselves safe, but also not infect other people. Dr. Mike Walden, professor of economics at NC State University, talking about the viruses, I want to call it, and the economy, disease and, and, and business here, and the changes that are being made in the economy. We're going to pause for a couple of three minutes here, and then we'll be back more with Dr. Walden. Dr. Walden, is it yes. okay if we put out the numbers so if anybody wants to oh, call? Oh, absolutely. Can... Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. If, if you... Uh, uh, I have a question about something that Dr. Walden is talking about, and let's stay on his subject tonight, 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Back in just a couple of minutes. News Radio 680 WCTF. I'm Kearney. It's 919 now, and you're listening to uh, an interview with uh, Dr. Mike Walden. Professor of Economics at NC State University, talking about the current economic situation. One, unlike, um, well, Dr. Walden has been a regular guest on this show since 1989, and I've been a student of American history for a long time, and I'm pretty sure that I can't think of one, certainly that we've talked about on this program or that I've read about, that is anywhere near like the condition and the situation that we're involved in now. So, Dr. Walden, according to the cheat sheet, we might... <laughs> be talking about how do we get out of this now in terms of the economics, but maybe the blanket is large enough that I should just toss it to you and let you see where you want to go. Well, uh, as we talked at the first part, Tom, we are in a recession. We're in a, we're in a deep recession. Um, we're, we're, going to, we're still going to see some really bad numbers. The, the last unemployment report we had from North Carolina, we had 14, I think, no, no, 12, 12% unemployment and some change actually came in slightly lower than, than the national number. Still, 12%, 12-13% unemployment is not good, and we had been down close to 4%. Um, and, and we're going to still see some bad numbers come out for, for May and, and possibly a little better in, in June. Um, we do think that, that things are going to improve uh, for two reasons. One, uh, some of the scientists say as the summer goes on, viruses, and as the, viruses don't do as well in the summer. And I and I, I I stand to be corrected on that. I'm just I'm just telling you what 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 I've heard uh, people who are experts say. And then the second thing is is if we can successfully begin to reopen the economy or or bring back those businesses that have been closed, that that will help uh, mitigate the losses and will begin to, to begin to grow. Uh, but but the third the second quarter uh, June July or. or uh, uh, April, May, June, which we're in, is, is going to be a really bad quarter. Now, I have seen, I have heard 
people say, well, we're in depression-like situation. They're right in terms of, if you look at, again, the current quarter, current three-month period in terms of reduction in economic activity, growth and unemployment, those numbers do look like numbers we had in the Great Depression of the 1930s. What's different is we don't, we don't think, we don't see them uh, continuing. Whereas in the, and as you know, Tom is a historian, you know, in the Great Depression of the 30s, uh, actually, they were, I won't get into this, but there were actually two phases of that. But the first phase, which was the worst, we had numbers like we're seeing now for four years. Uh, hopefully, we're only going to see numbers like that for one quarter. So, so that's a little bit of uh, a little bit of, um, of good news. But so we do most of the forecasts indicate that we're going to start seeing improvement in the economy in uh, in the third quarter. In fact, um, the Congressional Budget Office, which is a nonpartisan group, even though it it it, uh, it has that congressional in it. People might think, oh, there's politics, and there's Congress versus the president. No, Congressional Budget Office is a nonpartisan group. They do things related to the budget, and then, of course, they have to do some economic forecasting for that. They, they're they looking for actually a very quick rebound in the, in the third quarter. Uh, but most economists agree that it, it's going to take probably over a year before we even approach the kind of numbers in the economy that we had in the first uh, in the first part of this year, when I was mentioning uh, uh, unemployment under under, for example, four percent growth in wages, et cetera, we're probably looking at an economy that's going to take the good part of a year, maybe a year and a half, to even approach uh, those numbers. Now, this might be a good point to bring in the fact that because we knew, we economists knew, policymakers knew that that telling businesses, hey, you can't operate, telling workers stay home, that was going to cause the economy to shrink. The federal government, and the federal government is, of course, the only entity that's big enough to, to, to have a, a, an impact on the economy that, like we need. federal government moved very quickly with uh, a series of rescue plans, most recent of which was the $3 billion, $3 trillion, $3 trillion stimulus plan that, that had the payroll protection plan, had the stimulus checks going to people, as well as a variety of other things. Uh, that was followed up by a, a mini addition of that for the payroll protection plan. And then right now, the Congress and the president's uh, people are talking about maybe another phase to that. Uh, but we also have the Federal Reserve in the background um, uh, opening up some lending programs. Of course, they lowered interest rates. The measure of their activities, the worth of their activities, is probably around $4 trillion. So we've had a substantial amount of money appropriated or created, that's what the Federal Reserve does, to try to to prevent businesses from going bankrupt, trying to prevent households from, from sinking. Uh, that's not going to be a totally successful. We've already heard some big-name uh, businesses say they're not opening up. I, heard, I saw this morning a, who's an observer, a restaurant in, uh, in um, Cameron Village, that they were closing. So there's going to be some permanent losses uh, to this. Um, but without that federal help, I think the losses would have been would have been much much worse. I'm trying very hard, Dr. Walden. I guess it's that I've been away from this practice so long. But there is a name for this name for a, a 20s and 30s British economist who uh, believed that the government should take a strong. Oh, Keynes, uh, John Maynard Keynes. Keynesian, yeah. You see, it, it was in there. Mm-hmm. I have a whack-a-mole memory these days. <laughs> It'll pop up sometimes, and it won't. But uh, 
But that's kind of what what's been going on with us, and, yeah. and now the New Deal will not be the only example of a case. Well, where... and this is I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Tom, because I mean, when when the federal government, uh, what the federal government has done in the past uh, three months has been extraordinary in terms of the amount of amount of uh, stimulus they have injected into into the economy, and, and it's pretty much been bipartisan. It's not been controversial, like, for example, the stimulus that the Obama administration uh, got passed in the early part of uh, President Obama's first term. This has been pretty pretty bipartisan because I think I think policymakers, regardless of their political uh, background, uh, realized that, that we were we were in this. This is creating a serious problem when you tell uh, a good part of the economy to stop. Uh, that's going to affect not just that part; but it's going to affect the entire entire economy. So I think I think this is an example where the federal government moved very, very decisively, very, very quickly because they knew they had to. Um, now, people should recognize there are costs to this. I mean, where is the federal government? And when I say federal government, I mean the president and the Congress working there. Where are they getting those trillions of dollars that they've appropriated? They're borrowing it. So we're adding to the national debt. And that means in the future, uh, we'll have more payments on the national debt, and and our, our children, grandchildren will have to, to pay those. Now, if there's any good news, the federal government is borrowing at very, very low interest rates, virtually historically low interest rates, but still it is borrowing. And then the Federal Reserve, where do they get their funds? The $4 trillion I mentioned, they just make it. They just they print money, essentially, although it's all digital money today. The concern there is, and historically, and again, Tom, as a, as a historian, you know this, the concern always if central banks print too much money, that they, they spark inflation, higher inflation. Right now, there's no there's no sign of that or no worry about that. In fact, the uh, April inflation numbers were actually negative. Aggregate prices went went down. But, but long run, uh, and by long run, I mean maybe next year, maybe a year from now, I mean, we could see all this. Uh, money creation come home the roost with somewhat higher higher inflation rates. So those are the those are the two concerns. But I and, and I'm just giving my opinion, giving the listeners my opinion. I think these were the right moves to make because I think the alternative was to have the economy crash and burn, and or a large part of it. And then once the virus was gone and beaten, we wouldn't have an economy to come back to. So I think it was vitally important that the federal government stepped up and did the things that they could do to try to sustain and keep a large part of the economy. And so, and I think they will be effective in doing that, although, as I've already said, there will be casualties. Along those lines, and we've only got about a minute before we need to take our half-hour break and check the news, so is there going to be, well, it almost certainly, it seems, is going to be, uh, and my wife read a headline in the paper this morning that one of her favorites, uh, uh, restaurants at uh, Cameron Village was going to close. Is it going to be a remodeling of the economy, or are we going to be doing business in some other way? Is is it going to be? Yeah, and I, I, I want and I remember our cheat sheet. I want to come. I would do want to end the program tonight by talking about long run impacts. But to okay, directly right. answer your question, okay, yeah, well, I think the economy uh, is not going to come back like it was. That's right. It's going to it's going to look different. It's going to be different. Yeah. Well, well, one of the things that we do not get to talk about because one of the it's not a small business, but it is. Uh, is uh, one that has been affected. Well, the whole sports world has been affected. And oh yeah. You and I don't get to talk about the Reds and, and the Pirates tonight. No, we, we fingers the, crossed the they'll, they work out, they'll work out something for an 80 or 82 game season. And I know hockey is thinking of coming back, and the NBA is thinking of coming back, but, but all without spectators. 
Well, this is the first time in our lives that we, we've That's right. uh, come yeah. home at night yeah. and there's been no ball game, football, yeah. basketball, or any other kind of You're ball. Right. On. You're right. So yeah. that yeah. part of the economy is is going to be a kind of a barometer, I think, for for the changes that are going to take place. Dr. Mike Walden, professor of economics at NC State University, is our guest tonight talking about uh, the virus and what its effect is going to be. We'll be back after the news. Hi, it's 9.33, WPTF News, talk and uh, traffic, an all-important thing. Dr. Mike Walden, one of our longest-term guests and our resident economist, is our guest tonight. A little electronic distress there, but I think uh, John, our trusty engineer and producer, has resolved that. And okay. We're back talking about the, the Verano, I'm not saying that word right, but... Coronavirus, yes. Virus, and uh, we'll just it's a on the economy. And this is one of the few chances, certainly for me, and I think most of our listeners, to hear uh, someone digress at length on it uh, without just concentrating on specific questions. I'm, I'm going to toss the ball back to you and let you run for the goal line with it. Okay. Uh, thank you, Tom. And I, wanted, I, do, I do want to talk first about what we might see in the economy in, in coming months. As I said earlier, the June numbers are, are going to be bad. Uh, we, we, or I'm sorry, yes, the, the May numbers are going to be bad. I think we might see some improvement in June, July, et cetera. Um, there are some economists who are predicting a fairly rapid uh, rebound in the economy in the, the coming months, I'd say, through the fall. And um, But then after that, they think that, that the improvement will slow down. And the reason given for that is that um, uh, we're going to see people as they get as they get more secure in going out, and as businesses reopen and some workers go back to work or continue working remotely, um, we're going to bring a lot of those businesses that had shut down, a lot of that economic activity that was stopped, uh, come back and, and come back in a, in a hurry. Um, but long run, and now long run, I'm talking into the fall, and, or I'm sorry, into the winter and into the next year. Uh, the expectation is that that improvement will slow down dramatically. The reason is that, and this goes back to what we were talking about before the break, the reason is that we are going to lose a, a fair number of businesses. Uh, I estimate that somewhere between um, 10, 15, maybe as high as 20% of small businesses will, will not have made it through this, uh, through this virus crisis. Uh, other businesses are going to, to have to restructure. Um, I think many businesses probably will try to move away from hiring as many, keeping as many people hired as they had, try to use more technology and automation, because they see a cost, potential cost here to live people doing things, and it is if, if one of them gets infected, they can infect a whole number, and maybe the business would be, would be shut down. So this is why I think that we, we, I think we're going to feel really, really good about the economy for a few months. And then I think things are going to settle down to, yes, improvement, but the improvement is going to be much, much slower. And the ergo, that's why it's going to take a long time, maybe as much as a year and a half, before we even get close to uh, the unemployment rate, for example, that we had prior to this. In fact, the Congressional Budget Office that I, that I spoke about earlier uh, is predicting a 10% unemployment rate throughout all of 2021. Uh, the most optimistic number I've seen in unemployment for 2021 is, is 8%. So uh, things are not going to go back in total the way they were. Uh, we're going to have some, uh, I think, effectively, 
looking at this, Tom, is this this virus has caused some permanent loss in our economy, uh, in our health care, et cetera, and, and obviously permanent loss among among many people who unfortunately paid the ultimate price death, but others who who were um, inflicted for a number of months and went through an ordeal. So, uh, and if you look back in history again, appealing to your historian, Tom, uh, we've had this many, many times in our in our history: the the, the Black Plague, um, the the pandemic, 1917, 19, 1919, uh, the uh, the Asian flu that I mentioned, 1957-58. All of those have caused permanent uh, damage. It's not as if you can we've turned the light switch off and then we're going to turn it on and we're back to where we were. Uh, that that light that we had, if you think of the light as the economy, it's going to be dimmer for a long, long time. It, it seems like to me that what I I, as we, I think they, they call the thing that happened from 2008 and 9 on for three or four years a, re- a recession, I believe is what they called it. And I was thinking along as we went through that, that a lot of the jobs that were disappearing were not going to come back. And I believe that's probably what happened. But this appears to be not only a situation where a lot of jobs, but a lot of businesses are not uh-huh. going to come back. Right, right, right. And the danger of the yeah. medical virus was to uh, sick humans. The the uh, danger to the uh, economic virus, uh, if there was such a thing, or the extension of the medical virus, is that a lot of businesses that were tottering on edge. Uh, I read, Mike, that uh, the... Uh, the uh, I think it was an oyster restaurant that was run by a prominent Eastern North Carolina restauranteur was was in fact going to close, and it, it had been tottering, and, and it just became the time to let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this might be the appropriate time to, to jump to what I think is a, is a fascinating topic, and that is how will this pandemic, how will this uh, COVID-19 uh, crisis affect uh, lots of things in our world, um, how it will change lots of things in our world. And we've been talking about employment, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, jobs will come back, but they're going. a lot of them will be different jobs. Some some jobs won't come back. Some industries won't come back. I think there will be a, an accelerated move by a lot of businesses to try to reduce their use of people and increase their use of um, technology and automation. Now, a big question that's been talked about is, Will remote working continue? Um, and I think it will. And I think it will uh, not recede to where it was. I think about for the, the pandemic, I think about five percent, five to eight percent of people uh, nationally worked remotely. I think this. I, I really don't know what the number is now, but I, I, I think it's going to end up being much, much higher. Um, I read pluses and minuses of that. I think some people say, some businesses say their their workers are more productive. They're working from home. For for families that have young children, that might make the 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 work uh, home balance better. Um, uh, on the other hand, I think there is something to be said for people in a company getting together. Uh, uh, I think there's something about a, a corporate or a company culture. Uh, of course, some jobs you have to be there. If you're in the restaurant business, you have to be there. If you're in the personal services business, you have to be there. But I do think that uh, the remote, remote, remote working, as well as in my industry, remote uh, learning, I think that's probably going to uh, expand. So a lot of these things that were on the horizon and ready to move up higher to a higher level, I think this pandemic has uh, has pushed that. One of the things that I'm interested in seeing. Um, 
whether we have a decision by some households to uh, live in a different area. And, and let me let me use New York City as an example. New York City, of course, has been the um, focal point for this crisis, and they've had the highest death tolls per capita. Uh, they've had the highest per, uh, infections per capita. And one reason, of course, is that it's a dense city, and this virus is, is, is very contagious. And um, in New York City, it's been, I think the mayor has said it may take years for them to come back. And uh, if you read the New York Times, there have been many articles in there about businesses and individuals saying that's it, they're leaving, uh, they're moving somewhere else. In fact, an article I read profiled a, a woman, uh, she was a professional, lived on the Upper West Side. She, she uh, closed up her apartment or condo and she's moved to Tennessee and that's where she's going to put her business. So I, I think there may be a, a negative reaction to really big cities. Now, I, don't, I don't think we'll see that in the same degree as, say, Raleigh or Charlotte or the Triad. Uh, we're not at that level. But I do think some, some families may say, uh, after this is over, uh, you know what? Uh, pandemics may come back. Viruses may come back. And I think that will be on our mind for a long time. Uh, if we can work remotely, if we can have... Um, our groceries delivered through drone, if we can have medicine, telemedicine. That's something I forgot to mention, Tom, about a week after this started and we had these stay-at-home orders, we, my, my, Mary and I got a notice from our, uh, our health care provider saying, don't come to the office. Uh, we're not there. If you need a problem solved, set up this portal, this Internet portal, and contact your doctor that, through that way. And actually, Mary had a very minor orthopedic problem that was she she was able to handle through this uh, remote conversation, if you will, with her with her doctor. So I think that's probably going to be another thing that will take off. And I could see some families saying, you know what, well, let's live in a smaller town. Let's maybe even live in a rural area, especially if we get uh, high-speed Internet in those areas. I could see this, and we talk in North Carolina, of course, about the urban-rural divide, the cities are the growing areas, the rural areas are not. This could maybe turn that around just a little bit. Well, Mike, I know one thing that I, I'm glad you mentioned the medical uses of long distance and electronic uh, learning and teaching because I know uh, East Carolina has been, uh, I think, sort of pioneering a lot of things in that because the problem of Eastern North Carolina has always been uh -huh. there are not enough doctors. And uh, where there are not enough doctors, they've been able to go and uh, do uh, things that would require patients to come from many miles away to to the campus of the university, uh, the hospital, but now they can do it by by virtual use of electronic means and so on. So it seems like to me, as in your business, uh, uh, there's more and more teaching and so yeah. on. But I, I think one of the things that's happened here is we've, we've been led to explore those kinds of things and ways of slimming down the use of human beings, like you said, and use of electronic technology that doesn't talk back and doesn't go on strike and, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, and, and of course, this issue has been here a while. In fact, I've got a new book coming out on, on uh, major economic issues that we've been facing for a while, and I've got a chapter on uh, on how jobs are changing and, and uh, the concern about what's called technological unemployment. Will people's jobs be taken over by machines and technology? And this is not the first time we've gone through this, and I think the short answer is, yes, there'll be some jobs destroyed, but, but our economy is very good about creating new and different kinds of jobs, and I think that, that'll be the same this time around. But I do think we're going to go through another 
another phase of that where there's going to be an acceleration in job, what's called job churning, uh, or as uh, Joseph Schumpeter, a famous economist, called it, um, uh, 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 what did he call it? <laughs> uh, creative destructionism, creative destructionism, where uh, mature economies are constantly creating in one part and destroying another. And I think this, this uh, pandemic has, uh, has, has, is going to bring that about in an accelerated fashion. But all the things that we were talking about, I was talking about, you were, you were chiming in too, Tom, about uh, teleworking and telemedicine and telelearning. Those are all, have all been here and, and they have been available. It's just that now this pandemic has increased their use. And then, have, of course, the big question then is, now that we've got more people have gotten a taste of them, will they say, yeah, I like how this tastes. I like, I like working from home. I like visiting my doctor through a, a portal. I like uh, having my children educated through, through the Internet. Or others may say, no, I like, I like, uh, I learn best, or my children learn best if they're face-to-face with a teacher. I want to see that doctor face-to-face, and I want to go into the office or go into my place of employment and see other people. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this how this uh, uh, eventually falls out, because I, I don't think there's one answer for, for all of those for every person. Well, let's stop for a moment and uh, take a break and come back and Maybe you can do uh, partially a reprise and then also an estimate of uh, really what you think is going to be happening in the future to the to the economy. Okay. Dr. Mike Walden, professor of economics at NC State University, back for his first time in a couple of months tonight. We'll finish up the program in just a couple of minutes. 9.53 at News Radio 680 WPTF. Dr. Mike Walden from NC State uh, talking about... Uh, the economic changes caused by the virus. And, Dr. Walton, we've got about three minutes left, and you want to sort of wind it up with that, that three minutes? Yeah, one thing I didn't talk about, Tom, are the uh, financial implications, the investment implications. Of course, the stock market took a big, big hit when uh, the virus hit and, and we, when we had to uh, go through closing a, a large part of our economy. It's been coming back. Uh, and and people may be a little co- concerned or confused. Why is the stock market been doing well the last couple of weeks when people are still dying? We're still having cases going up, et cetera. That's because the stock market. Remember, this is always forward looking. Stock market's not looking at today, even tomorrow, next week. They're looking in this case months ahead. And the the good news that we've gotten recently from one company uh, about a, a vaccine, I think, was very helpful. And now I think today and and. Um, Yesterday, the stock market's been way up, and I think that's uh, a result of the opening up in, in many states. I think all 50 states have opened up some parts of their economy. So so keep that in mind that the, the stock market is forward-looking, and right now they're liking what they're anticipating. They could be wrong, but they're liking what they see. The other big change in the investment world has been the fact that interest rates uh, are way down. Uh, so if you have your money in a uh, in a short-term um, interest rate investment like CD, money market fund, et cetera, you're earning very, very little. Not to say you shouldn't have your money there, uh, but just recognize that that is a negative. On the other hand, if you are a borrower, if you're looking to buy a home or a big-ticket item and you're securing your job and securing your income, this is a great time uh, to borrow to borrow money. Um, North Carolina, if you look at this at the state level, and, of course, the Department of Transportation is losing a lot of uh, gas tax revenue, but uh, potential borrowing there uh, could help, and right now would be a good time to borrow uh, because of these very, very low interest rates. So 
there certainly are these financial implications. But in, in, in summary, we do think we're in the worst of the economic fallout from the virus right now. Uh, we do look for improvement in coming months, but this is going to be a long haul. This is not going to be, a, again, a quick uh, flick of the switch and everything's back bright and sunny the way it was in January. It's going to be the, the light is going to get, get brighter, but get brighter very, very slowly. And we're probably looking long term before we get back to anywhere where we near where we were in January. A lot of uh, flux in the job market, a lot of flux in, in the business market. This virus and what we had to do to control it in terms of economic shutdown is going to cause, I think, a lot of changes, a lot of ups and downs in the economy. So for entrepreneurs, there may be some opportunities out there, um, but for people who are running a small business. Uh, they, they're on a shoestring. I mean, they're the ones that I think are, are just very, very vulnerable, and hopefully we can keep a lot of them, but I think some of them will not make it. Well, Dr. Walter, we hope you will come back and update us I will, Tom, and welcome a month back. Or less, I'll have my people get in touch with your people. Okay? All right, watch, uh, just watch that driveway in the future. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. It's Thanks, good to Tom. have you back. Bye-bye. Mike Walden, uh, uh, returning as we have returned to the air last night uh, at a little bit of a vacation because of a broken leg. Tomorrow night, Dr. Edward Funkhauser is going to bring us an updated edition of his necrology. Join us then.